I know, you want to be one of those properly insufferable green utopian twats, virtuously saving the planet by consuming two tons of fresh new resources with immeasurable emissions packaged up via the high-tech miracle of embodied energy. But to you, of course, you're just buying an EV. There's absolutely no need to overthink anything and just plug it in every night to the proud Australian coal-fired electricity grid. You legend. Despite this compelling fantasy, perhaps you're still a little concerned about the life of the battery. Will it poop in its trousers just outside of warranty? Only time will tell on that one. Perhaps it's range anxiety for you. The autonomous nervous system's incredible capacity to pucker one's anus and thus crease the vegan leather seat trim when it's like 100 k's home and the battery's only good for another 80. We've all been there, dude, puckering. I know I have. But here in Australia, I suggest these are not, in fact, the biggest problems with EV ownership. Keep watching to find out what is, and perhaps, for now at least, a better option. Logan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Australia. Website. Card. How hard is this dude, really? Now, before we get going, I have to say, brave new shirt. Shredding as rat. Rapid antigen test. Both positive and negative. You can see that, I trust. Gift from a viewer such as you who wanted to remain anonymous, probably a fine upstanding member of the community with consequences identifying as a viewer of this fine channel. Anyway, thank you, anonymous. Now, putting aside the extraordinary cost of EV ownership, like it's just not going to be economically rational for a while, is it? If you live a tidy kind of life in the inner city and you only ever drive short distances and you're able to recharge at the office and or home and you never stray more than 150 to 200 k's, like, go for it, dude. It's a free country and it's only money and Satan's not going to care about that when you die. So there's that. But don't say I never warned you about this, okay? See... A couple of months ago, I attended the Kia EV6 launch in... <coughs> Bruh. And I live in Sydney, which is about 300 k's door to door, let's say. And the EV6 is a very nice grand tour. Very nice. It's a bit expensive and quite scarce. Some would say unavailable, including Kia Schittsville. It's fun to drive, provided you don't go sort of full performance nutcase and a lot of cars are like that they're really nice at eight or nine out of ten and the ev6 is one of those it's blisteringly fast between the bends too and pretty easy to overcook so pro tip i give it 8.9 on the trouser tp scale I don't normally give things a mark over about seven and a half, so there you go. I drove one home from the launch, right, and I used it as my daily driver for about a week. I saw what it's like to drive normally, in other words, which is something you don't typically get that much of a chance to do on a car launch. The launch orbited Hotel Realm in Canberra, which is right next to a construction wasteland in the shadow of 
the bullshit factory. Hotel Realm has EV chargers in the car park. Yes, and they were all blown up on the night I stayed. So that was convenient. Thus, on an otherwise serviceable Saturday morning, I found myself holding the keys to an EV6 in a basement full of EV6 chargers, which had all pooped in their trousers. The car's got like 200 and something k's of range, and I've got like 300 and something k's to go. yippee ki a To me, at this stage, that's not a problem. It's an adventure. Well, it's, it's not a problem yet. Okay, we're getting to that. We're in the nation's capital. How hard can this be? It's got to be an opportunity. Hopefully, not an insurmountable one. Surely the joint is dripping in public charges by now. Nation's capital, right? I'm reliably informed that the closest public charger at Civic, which would be like downtown if Canberra were in fact a proper city, it's, uh, as we say down under, rooted. And it often is, apparently. So, I get out my phone and I dial up the EV app. E-V-I-E, right? Which tells me that there's a charger conveniently located on the way out of town (laughs) in a public car park just off Northbourne Avenue. Great. EV's app is actually pretty slick. It integrates with Google Maps and it navs me right there. There's absolutely no doubt. Unfortunately, however, there's no charger and I walk every square inch of that Fucking car park twice. So, fuck you very much, EV app, and the horse you rode in on. So I sit there in the car and I think, not to worry. I'm already 15Ks or something closer to home. Yes. There are three chargers in Goulburn and I've got more than enough battery to get there and I've used them before, so I know they exist. I love Goulburn. From the supermax and the sewage treatment plant in the north to the abattoir in the south, I feel some affinity for Goulburn. It's a hell of a ballsy place. If the world were perfect, Goulburn's charges would be installed right inside the landmark giant concrete ram's testes just down the road from the abattoir. But it's not, sadly. They're right up the other end of town, closer to the Supermax prison and the awesome sewage treatment plant. So I get on the federal highway, I nudge the EV6's adaptive cruise right up to 110, and I watch the range plummet, seemingly dropping two Ks for every actual K of progress. To be fair, all EVs do this. Highway driving is their least efficient operational mode, typically. Luxuriating as I was through endless busted-ass Australian scrub, I ponder that for the nation's capital, 
EV charging infrastructure in Canberra is fucked. Disgracefully, awesomely fucked. This is, of course, what happens when you've got... Uh, a lying fossil fuel industry puppet steering the ship, I suppose. I'm driving from our nation's capital to our nation's most populous city. Imagine how fucked the infrastructure is when you're properly out in the boonies, like on the road to Dingo Piss Creek. In a country with even half a commitment to an environmental whatever, there would be a bank of fast DC chargers on every corner at both ends of this journey and certainly at every service station betwixt, surely. Anyway, I get to Goulburn with plenty of electrons to spare. No puckering, mostly. So, let's go live now to earlier me, just north of the Rams balls, to see what happened next. Here's the reality of EV ownership, right? You can spend 80 grand on a very nice EV and you can really enjoy driving it, but you will have to engage with the infrastructure and manage the logistics of recharging. See, I left Canberra this morning with about 50% worth of battery. The car told me I had 238 Ks of range and I pulled in here in Goulburn and I've got like a hundred and a bit Ks if I'm lucky and I'm just not going to make it home. And one of these chargers has a blank screen and is being reported by the app as broken. Another one of these chargers is broken and one is functional and thank God for that because otherwise you're looking at a very expensive piece of furniture and me looking for a motel to sort this out while I plug the car into the 10 amp supplied outlet for like, I don't know, infinity until the middle of next week or something. And that's just how this rolls, all right? When you're driving a gasoline or diesel powered car, there's recharging infrastructure everywhere. And when you've got an EV, to some extent at least, if you don't just go from home to the shops and school and all of that kind of thing, if you've got an EV, you're gonna be dealing with this kind of third world infrastructure, even though you've got a cutting edge vehicle. Okay, so as you can see, I roll up on the charging station near the Supermax and there are three chargers at that location. And one of those chargers is dead. Charger number two is being reported as dead by the ChargeFox app. And we haven't even got a unified app situation for EV chargers in this country, FFS. The big LCD screen on charger number two in Goulburn is totally Dr. Kevorkian. I'm looking at it and blackness is staring back at me. I later found out that that charger actually worked and just the screen was dead, but visually, of course, there is no difference. Finding this out later, totally unhelpful. But at least charger number three, fortuitously available and notionally functioning. Thank Jesus for redundancy, right? So I plug the EV6 in and there's this conventional sort of handshake routine between the receiver in the car and the plug on the charger. 
all EVs do this, okay? If you've never driven one or charged one up, they all do it. Basically, the car uses solenoids or servos or something of that nature to lock the plug in place before it allows those fat electrons to flow. And this is, of course, a good idea. Otherwise, some muppet is going to withdraw the plug mid-charge and strike an unwitting 85-kilowatt electrical arc in a place where you probably should not attempt to weld anything. And that's likely to be memorable more often than not. I can feel the EV6 attempting to dock with the plug. And failing. Like, it's a pornographic movie blooper. And... I say this with some authority on that subject. On closer inspection, the plug appears to be as worn as F-U-C-K. So I have five more goes at Operation Porno Blooper Reel. Five. One for each ex-wife. Nudging the plug around. Just call me Captain Insertion. The Marvel superhero version of Ron Jeremy or something. And finally, on go number five, it locks in. Yes, I was spent, and I have no desire to be an EV fluffer ever again. Ultimately, I guess the process worked, so yay. But I kind of know what I'm doing. I kind of know how these systems work. I've had my hands on the tools for years, and I'd like to think that I have some small amount of mechanical friggin' sympathy. It's fair to say that this situation would stop some owners from getting charged up and therefore from getting home. My Tiffany would probably not pass an audition such as this, right? But she is quite versatile in other respects. So the charging is happening and I'm grabbing a coffee with the video guys who lobbed while I was, you know, mid-fluff. I am <laughs> venting my frustration. See... Before the plug finally engaged, I'm already kind of getting prepared to can the whole thing, lock the car, call Kia, and hop a lift home with the video dudes. Send a truck if you want your EV6 back, kind of thing. And this is absolutely not the car's fault. Let's be crystal on that. The EV6 was functioning just fine. Textbook. But I am nonetheless logistically fucked if this lone functional charger does not work. I do not have sufficient electrons to get home and there is no charging option between where I am and where I live. Nor is returning to Canberra a viable option range-wise because I've already burnt those electrons. Imagine if you had dumped $85,000 of your own hard-earned cash on an EV6 and this was your first extra urban driving experience in it. You leave Sydney, you deliver some fresh coal for ScoMo to make a tit of himself with again, and you fail to get home. You'd be livid. You'd be beyond just livid. And this is not just happening in third world Australia, right? A study in California published earlier this month found that there were plenty of charges actually available, but roughly a quarter of those were rooted. So it seems to me that charges have been rolled out on the cheap and they are, let's be kind, insufficiently robust. To me, this reeks of bad R&D and inadequate maintenance. 
So let's talk about uh, T-Dub and the Spice Girls. In other words, the car industry's grubby little lobby group. They get a TP in their tights every time a state government announces more EV subsidies. <laughs> I suspect it's just T-Dub and scary with actual in-tight TPs. Possibly posh. Don't know. Sporty Ginger and Baby, though, they're just moral support, clearly. This EV subsidy FCAI tight typification is simply because it means more EV sales for car makers, right? That's all they care about. They are completely immoral like that. Amoral like that, I'd suggest. But in reality, it means taking taxpayer funds from, say, some low-paid friggin' aged care worker and handing those funds to a comparatively wealthy, insufferable, green utopian cockhead in the form of a subsidy backhander, which just does not seem moral to me at all. I'd suggest that if you've got the funds for any new vehicle, an EV or otherwise, it's absolutely immoral for you to get a taxpayer-funded backhander so that you can buy a nice new car. This, in fact, makes Australia more shit. And I'm all about making Australia less shit. Just a little bit less shit every day. I think that's the best that we could reasonably aspire to at this point. So, in my view, T-Dub and Scary can take their EV subsidy in tight TPs and bury them deep in the friggin' prayer room from whence, one would hope, they never rise again. It's a metaphor. Personal opinion. No actual in-tight TP is suggested. What we need, instead of backhanding the affluent, is incentives that actually proliferate reliable EV fast chargers, like 24-7 chargers with 99% uptime and redundancy built in on all major extra-urban transportation routes and at every fuel stop. How hard is this? If you can build a coat hanger, a warragamba, a snowy hydro, etc., charges at servos should be a piece of piss. But I get the sense that we have simply lost the ability to do anything worthwhile in the public domain with our increasingly third world shithole, which is seemingly managed by increasingly corrupt and inept plotters. I guess until something changes, if you want to drive into the regions reliably and you own an EV, then you're going to need an internal combustion car as well, aren't you? And that's hardly climate friendliness exemplified, is it? Would it not be impossibly excellent, therefore, if you could embody both technologies in the one vehicle? Perhaps you can. I just spent a week driving a BMW X3 plug-in hybrid. It actually enjoys the tongue-trip-over designation <coughs> X3 xDrive 30e M Sport. All it means is X3 with all-wheel drive and it's a plug-in hybrid with M garnish. 
it feels like a pretty typical X3 to drive, okay? It's good size for the family. The handling is kind of typical BMW, and they are pretty serious about being the ultimate driving machine. So it's taut and responsive to drive in the context of being a mid-size family SUV. Frankly, I'm not a huge fan of the run flats, but hey. Peak outputs are 215 kilowatts and 420 newton meters. This is from a two-liter inline four plus an 83 kilowatt synchronous electric motor. You can even select different electric driving modes. It's got a 12 kilowatt hour battery, which is pretty big. And I know this does some people's heads in, okay? Kilowatt hours. It's just an amount of energy. A RAV4 hybrid has a 1.6 kilowatt hour battery. This BMW has 7.5 times more energy than that. And obviously you can't plug the RAV4 in. Its battery is just a regenerative braking sideshow. Like it will save you some fuel, but it doesn't really have any significant EV only operational characteristic. So the X3 plug-in is going to drive up to 41 k's in EV mode on a full battery. There's a caveat on that, which is if you demand more than 83 kilowatts by jamming the throttle flat on the floor to overtake some peasant, the combustion engine is going to kick in to give you what you just demanded, more performance. However, 83 kilowatts is enough to keep up with the traffic and even cruise at legal highway speeds in most countries, right? So in most commuting cases, full EV driving is far from just Bavarian marketing wank. It's absolutely doable on a regular basis. And if you have to drive to Canberra and back one day because ScoMo called overnight urgently in need of fresh coal titification, you need not worry about recharging, right? Just drive the car, dude. You don't need to do anything special. There's no menu, no button. Just keep driving. When the battery goes flat, the combustion engine is going to pick up the tab and you'll still even regeneratively brake. So just to put this in perspective, okay, the X3 plug-in is about 105 grand, not including on-road costs. This is about 9,000 bucks more than the equivalent diesel, but it's also 10K less than the full electric X3, the iX3. And I'd suggest that if you can afford the plug-in, you can afford the iX3. Like the iX3 has a 74 kilowatt hour battery. That's the usable capacity, okay? It'll take you about 10 times further than the plug-in in EV only range, right? But in the iX3, you could find yourself looking at the Supermax and <laughs> sniffing the sewage, reading the shortest friggin' book on earth, other things to see and do in Goulburn, and wondering why the charger doesn't seem to be copulating with your fine German automobile problematically. The other caveat on a car like this is you really should be plugging it in, dude, even though technically you don't have to. And there are two really, really good reasons for that. First, if you want maximum performance, you need maximum contribution from the electric side. And that means you need to charge the battery. Otherwise, you'll be 80-odd kilowatts shy of what's possible overtaking that peasant. And nobody who owns a BMW wants that. 
also, pretty obviously, if you don't plug in, the big fat battery is just excess baggage. So in that case, perhaps you should have bought the diesel. This 30% less CO2 with diesel compared with equivalent gasoline. Most people don't want to know that. I don't know why. I blame Volkswagen. If you've got rooftop solar, okay, and you work from home, it is kind of elegant, not to mention quote-unquote free, to plug in and fill up with free photons, right, rather than just pump them back into the grid, which typically is overstocked on photovoltaic electricity during the day. As for charging your X3 plug-in, BMW will happily sell you a quite sexy BMW-branded wall box and doubtless arrange its installation. But the car doesn't actually give a crap what flavour those electrons are. So I've got this basic EV charger at home. It's a single phase, 240 volt, 32 amp supply. And that's like 7.2 kilowatts or something maximum. And there's a type two plug on the charger that goes into the car. Not the Chad Mio one, which is more of a Japanese thing. So interestingly, the X3 plug-in's battery was dead flat when I picked it up from BMW Sydney. And it drove fine right across town. Okay, so there's no problem with that. Only I didn't overtake a single peasant. I just went with the flow. Perhaps I'm losing my edge. It did the regen thing just fine. And that does save you some fuel. But frankly, it's worse than a zero-sum proposition thanks to the second law of thermodynamics, right? Essentially, if you don't want to get bogged down in all of that, we're all in this big energy casino and the only rule is, dude, you always lose. So it's a bit of a sideshow. When I got it home and plugged it in, the X3 was only prepared to suck electrons at the rate of 16 amps, which is like 3.6 or 3.7 kilowatts kind of thing. So roughly half of what the charger is able to supply, which means about four hours, a bit less, to go from zero to hero on the battery. Now the charging rate, okay, that's determined by the vehicle and it's capped so that the battery doesn't overheat because if it gets too hot, that's going to shorten its life. If you've got more than a hundred grand to drop on a car, you've absolutely got the three or four grand it's going to cost you for a wall box. And you might as well get the full 32 amp supply, the single phase one, because it really just means running a fatter cable from the meter box, okay? You might have three phase power. And if you've got that, three phases of electricity is not gonna help you charge this car. Most wall boxes though can be wired for three phase. And maybe it's not a bad idea for you to wire it up that way if you're getting one installed, if you are thinking perhaps of upgrading to a full EV down the track, because that will be more future-proof and you won't need to get the electrician back. If you're using a standard PowerPoint to charge your plug-in hybrid, okay, regulation 10 amp GPO kind of outlet, it could hypothetically supply about 2.3 kilowatts, but it seems to me the supplied BMW charging cable limits the draw out of a GPO to 1.8 kilowatts, and that extends the charge time of the plug-in to about seven hours or so. Even so, you just sleep on it and you'll be good to go in the morning, provided you have off-street parking, which is certainly an issue for plenty of inner-city dwellers, right? 
Now, I know this has been a big one, but just before I let you go, I am absolutely not anti-EV. It's pretty clear to me, though, that in terms of climate, cars are a bit of a sideshow. They're not insignificant, but they're not the big issue. The big issue globally is coal. Everyone who's not a mouth breather agrees on this. So leaving climate to one side momentarily, EVs achieve two really important things. They reduce toxic emissions in our cities. And because we have endless coal and therefore potentially endless electricity, EVs reduce our dependency on foreign oil if we adopt them widely enough. Oil typically comes from geopolitically unstable regions, which is quite bad for us because we are so preposterously addicted to it and we have such small national reserves. EVs can thus kick huge goals for human health and national energy security in Australia, but you also get both of these benefits with plug-in hybrids like the X3. So if you want to build a bridge from conventional combustion to an electric future, that bridge already exists. Bonus points for never having to stand there stranded, staring at the supermax, sniffing eau de sewer, booking a second tour of the abattoir via the concrete nuts wondering how the fuck you're ever going to get home. <laughs>